podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap, Neil Atkinson, Adam Smith, Mike Nevin and Melissa Reddy on an excitable Monday. There might be a bit of noise in the background there because the office is rammed full of people having a lovely time. Uh, not least because they watched a fantastic game of football. Manchester City won, Liverpool won. Uh, the 1-1 belies the way in which the football match went, Mel. Um, I, I, I genuinely think I've watched it back now as well because I have to. Uh, it's one of the best games of football I've ever seen. Uh, completely spot on. It was barely believable, defied all logic. One of those games you just couldn't take your eyes off. And I think the most remarkable aspect of it was all the things that didn't happen. Because the fact there were only two goals scored and beyond that, the fact that it was goalless at halftime was completely mind-blowing. The penalties that weren't given, the red card that wasn't given... Um, just there was no sense of systems or protection for the for the back four or anything like that. It was just utter utter chaos, which at times was breathtaking. The you know some of the attacking play, and other times it was like a car crash. But you just you couldn't physically detach yourself from the game, and it's crazy because at the Etihad, it's an amazing ground with superb facilities and stuff. But the press box is quite tiny. And I'm small and I'm watching the game and like my knee is hitting against the side of the table, like the front of the table. I'm bagging myself in all sorts of places because, you know, the action's everywhere. And I was thinking, I wonder how the rest of the people are doing it because I'm little and, you know, this game is having that effect. But yeah, brilliant. It's it's almost hard to deal with as a supporter, Adam, uh, in that you, you're watching and you're either seeing your own strengths or your own flaws, if you know what I mean. You're not really getting... It, it's hard to take yourself out of out of that because they were two flawed sides going at each other, uh, but they were also two excellent sides. And dependent on your glass half empty and half full mood before a ball is kicked, that might well dictate what you see. Definitely, i i was I was not aided by the fact that I was I was having to watch it on Sky Go last night. And um, for reasons escaping my understanding, my router decided to kick me off every five minutes or so, including just before the penalty. So however high anybody else's stress levels were, mine felt higher because there was the match going on and I couldn't watch some of it. No, it was winding me right up. So I was already in a bit of a weird place. And then the absolute bonkers game is going on in front of you. And it, it was really, it was difficult to watch it dispassionately obviously but difficult to figure out how much of what was going on was us doing really well defensively was City being flawed in attack was us not breaking them down was them because of course one of the big narratives of the season has been City how poor City are at the back so were we cutting them open or were they just doing what they were doing where they were being put it was just impossible to get any kind of understanding of what sort of game it was while it was going on and, and I'm still not sure I know now it, well I mean that's partially the pattern to play Mike but it's also worth pointing out and we don't talk about it enough at football matches I think at the highest level the weather it mm. absolutely <clears throat> tipped down for half an hour I mean it was it was real this it was game changing weather I mm. felt for the first half an hour and in the end I actually think it's one of the reasons Liverpool get a grip of the game is that by about the 30 minute mark they've got a grip of the weather a little bit better than City have managed that's one of the things I thought one of the reasons why I think Liverpool managed to impose themselves is Emery Ch- especially does really really well in the wet begins to work out how it's his friend begins to use it to pen, pen City in but that was another X factor to throw in amongst everything else that was going on yeah I mean Chan slid, slid in I mean the old slide tackle you don't see many of them uh, in the game these days but they there were certainly two or three in the space of five or six minutes after about 15 minutes. And it, I think just psychologically, it gave Liverpool a little bit of a boost. They really, I think they struggled in the first 10, 10 minutes and, and reviewing the highlights, 
City were pretty dominant in the in the opening phase of the game. So then Liverpool needed to, to, something just to arrest a little bit of control, and and those few challenges certainly uh, set that up. I, in terms of the game as a whole, I mean, it, it is inc- it's incredibly difficult to analyse. Um, and you talk about two flawed teams. I don't know how it how how you can not look flawed on both on the with both sides being so attacking. Uh, the, yeah. the attacking philosophy is such with both sides. I think both managers recognise that that's where their qualities, their main qualities lie. And basically they just went at it. It was, you know, it was like the gunfight at the OK, OK Corral at times. Um, but I think just comparing it to other games that we've seen, and you, you've talked about it quite consistently this season, these matches between the top six, that was certainly the most chaotic. I, I, I thought it was significantly different from those games. There's been the intensity, there's been the tempo, you know, good sides going up against each other and Liverpool have fared well in them. But that was the most, uh, to give it another word, shambolic at times, I thought, albeit that it was incredibly uh, entertaining. And I think one one of the things that I came out with after the game was thinking perhaps there was a clue in there as to why English teams in the Champions League are struggling a little bit because the organisation perhaps isn't there. But then again, just to sort of reference back to the defensive uh, element, both sides have, are, are more flawed defensively than they are going forward. And also just to go back on that, I think the other thing that sets that, that sets that pattern in is partially the weather again. I think the, wet, the, the one of the reasons why I think the game starts the way in which it starts and it sets it off on the trajectory that it start that that it goes on is the fact that it's it, it's so hard to, to to slow it down because the ball is absolutely it, it, the weather never quite got to the point where the weather where the, where the rain was slowing the passing. It was only it, it managed to just go off just at the moment where that might have started to happen, where there might have been a bit of standing water. I was with Steve Graves and we were trying to work out which of our players would sit would fare best with standing water. And we decided Adam Lallana definitely would. But, you know, there was that sort of, there wasn't that ability to almost put your foot on it because it was just sliding all over the place, bouncing irregularly, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and another thing that, um, certainly that contributed to the chaos. There's no there's no doubt about that. And it's quite unusual, really, for a game in, in the modern era to be affected by weather because pitches are so uniformly good and you know sort of in, in great condition and it can normally absorb water quite well but it just added that pace to the game but one of the, the the real positives I came out with is that whilst there was that chaos and whilst Liverpool were exposed at times I thought we actually defended really well at times because I mean Matip in particular I thought stood out for the amount of times that he covered really effectively lots of really good blocks in the middle and I thought Klein had his best game for ages as well certainly second half the yeah. number of times that he intercepted the ball read, read the situation well and put Liverpool back on the front foot um, that was a really positive contribution from him I think that we perhaps haven't seen of late but then I think that was partly down to the way that the game was playing out It was in my opinion the most unrelenting of all the top six games because I thought we, we've spoken about the rain and how everything was operating quicker but I think the sheer fact that both sides set out with the intention of we're going to do what we do best you know on both fences and whoever wins, wins, you know, all the best. Whereas when you play United, United try and contain you. You're assertive, yep. you're in control. Um, same with Chelsea. Chelsea allow you to dominate them and just, you know, wait for a moment when, when they can hurt you. Whereas this was just two teams punching at City. We're going to use our width. We know you guys like to come inside. We're going to use our width. We're going to expose you there at Liverpool. Okay, you guys can stay wide. We're going to stay inside. When you lose the ball, we've got all the space to operate in our area that we're most effective in. And then it was just, it was, it was ridiculous. I, in the press conference afterwards, when you're looking at both managers, you know, having to give their opinion on the game, 
even they strayed and you know spoken about like the passion and all those kind of things the emotion the the reactions their players show players showed it wasn't usual you know the usual stuff you get about oh we had the fight for the second ball or any of that because it wasn't that type of game and i think the most glaring thing or the one thing that stuck with me more than anything was that Guardiola had called it one of the proudest days of his managerial career and Klopp was angry that Liverpool didn't win that game. He wasn't satisfied. And he said, I f- he said, I found it odd that everyone around me, as in, in the stadium, like the fans and stuff, were happy. I wasn't happy and my players weren't happy in the dressing room. We should have won. But in my honest opinion, completely fair reflection of the game. I think it would have been... Um, sad if one of them had won because either of them could have ended. I don't think it deserved a winner. On on that, Adam, I mean, one of the things that struck me again watching it back is neither side dominates. Apart from the opening, City have the better of the opening, but neither side is then able to dominate for longer than 10, 15 minutes. So Liverpool then have a very good 10 or 15 minutes, but then City go up the other end. They could just score, they could just score there and then. Mm-hmm. And even when City come on top at 1 0 and then subsequently 1 1. Liverpool have got this constant threat. There isn't, there wasn't the idea that either side was ever, was 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 ever more than four passes away. If you know what I mean, that was the thing that kept, that was getting me. Was you can think you're on top, but no matter which side you're talking about here, you're never more than four passes away from being completely undone under the circumstances. And so that means that no one is ever truly dominant in the football match, which. Most of the time, you do get longer spells where, for instance, you just feel like, well, if there's a goal coming here, it's going to come for this side. And you can be proven wrong. But it never quite fell into any pattern of of a game that you normally get. Yeah, I think Paul Cope said on the the pink, didn't he, that he was quoting someone from Twitter who said it was like a Rocky film with the two sort of big uh, guns going at each other. And and that is exactly how it felt. And at any moment, somebody could hit a killer blow or at any moment, somebody could, uh, could make a mistake. Um, and I think that's a testament to how good the attacking play from both sides is. And I, I think the funny thing is, we I think we are all season long, and you've said it yourself a few times that we haven't been clinical enough. And I think yesterday was to some extent a sign of how we haven't been clinical enough. Yet by the same token, one of the most clinical strikers in the league is Sergio Aguero, and yet he has three or four chances to score, which he doesn't do which any other you know if you if you freeze framed it and said what's going to happen next you're saying goal you know three or four times so it, it's a it's it's just a a sign of how fast these things move and how one slight moment one slight error one slight misplace of the foot and all of a sudden what looks like a glorious opportunity is is no longer there it, it, it yeah so uh just that from an attacking point of view it was it was it was a real joy to watch I think one of the one of the key moments of the game, which partly changed it in Liverpool's favour, I'd slightly disagree with what Neil said about the n- never being a side on top. I mean, I, I think that you can look at it slightly differently and say that City were on top in the first phase and probably in the last 15, 20 minutes. I think the middle phase of the game, Liverpool largely looked the better side. I think we looked more controlled. I think there was a, there was certainly a point on the hour mark that I thought, but it was, I think it was about 63 minutes at the, and I looked at the watch and I thought City are in an absolute shambles here and they gave the ball away consistently well, the, their crowd was really getting on their back and that was the, it, was, it was at that point really that I think Liverpool's lack not so much being clinical in the fact that they missed chances albeit that Firmino missed a good chance I think at, uh, at, at 1-0 to make it 2-0 
but that we just didn't quite have the the killer instinct to actually get the second goal when I thought we were quite quite definitively on top. That, is that the period where I mean I reference I want to make reference of it during the show where basically tore his legs off gone. Yeah, I think so. And then to be fair to their manager, he doesn't half move fast in dealing with that. You're sort of at the point where you think first half, first twenty minutes, you think Torre's playing well. By about 35, 40, you're thinking Torre's not done much here for a while. By about sixty, I mean it, it's it's the comparison to me is that for instance Mourinho hooked Carrick at half time mm. when we went to Old Trafford and by about 60 it was I agree with you in that that probably was the time to find some way to put the hammer down but I think if he'd have left if Guardiola left at five more minutes maybe 10 I think we would have found a way to go 2-0 but it was as simple as he, you can see Guardiola watches it and he thinks I've got to get that lad off the pitch here because he's he's I'm, I'm, the, the other lads are absolutely carrying him and he's the main thing I've got in the, in, in the centre of the pitch yeah definitely and, did the, and more or less around the same time as well he switched um, Sterling and De Bruyne as well and I think that gave Liverpool... I mean, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to say because obviously De Bruyne, De Bruyne puts that superb cross in for the goal. So you notice the, his changed position. I think Sterling goes through the middle and Mignolet comes out and sort of partially puts him off as well as another instance. But it, that was another thing for Liverpool to contend with, the fact that they did not, they not only changed uh, Torre, but they'd also swapped those two Sterling, over well. I think Sterling through the middle actually really helps them regain a foothold in the game. Yeah. It's De Bruyne who puts the ball in from wide that creates the goal, but Sterling through the middle actually with his energy and the fact that he con- the way he constantly just, spins and shows and runs at you. It just disrupts the I think I think our, our control in the middle there. And where Chan had given Liverpool a bit of a base and where Matip and Clavin occasionally had looked relatively composed at times. And there was certainly that phase that a reference there that while City were quite shambolic I think Liverpool looked quite controlled as well and a lot of balls were running straight through for Mignolet to gather and it seemed it seemed like Liverpool would, wouldn't face too many problems at that stage and actually seeing it out and for me where the game changed was when Coutinho came off and I was I was a bit disappointed with the sub because I felt that there were just signs in my eyes that he was just beginning to click into gear a couple of times he he sort of he'd weave through the midfield in the you know the fashion that we're so familiar uh, seeing him um, and at gathered pace he, he played a couple of nice reverse balls and I just felt that it wasn't so much Origi's lack of, of impact as as losing Coutinho and I think obviously we, had, we were a man lighter in midfield as well for him coming off because whilst he's arguably in the front three, he does play deeper, naturally occupies deeper positions, and I just think that left Liverpool a little bit more exposed to City's recovery in that in that final third of the game. I agree with Mike on on all those points. Actually, I thought there was a spell where Liverpool were the more balanced of the teams, where City still just wanted to be completely offensive and not pay any particular attention to like their individual battles in the in the center of the park most especially when Alderman and Shan were effective brilliant um and like Mike said Matip and and Klavan looked more comfortable than you know Otamendi and Stones uh, for periods and that sub does change it because when you're coming on and that game is played at at such a ridiculous intensity and stuff you can't get to grips with it you can't understand you can't grow into it there's Mm. no time to grow into it you've just got to get get in given and you're right Coutinho was starting to to get a feel of things a bit more and City were leaving a lot of space for him to you know go and pocket in and and exploit um and you did feel that the sub sort of drains a little bit of um control mm. from from Liverpool uh, and you're right in what you're saying and it, Coutinho has been off colour recently but 
he does offer a lot more in the midfield. He does drop deep. He does, you know, assist with the pressing. He does assist with defensive duties and stuff. So while you may not be getting all the the things you usually want to see from him in in an offensive sense, he's still providing uh, the rest of the stuff. I think we I mean, we measure him by you know extremely high standards. Yeah. And when he when he's on his his A game, if you like, I mean, he you know he can run entire games. He's he's Liverpool's most you know, creative influence in the in the side, and I think, you know, we all accept he's not been on top form of late, but nonetheless, a, a Coutinho sort of slightly off off par performance still still offers you an awful lot in terms of that control, and um, that that vision really, and and, the, and just the link between Lalana, Wijnaldum, um, and Firmino as well. I think you know he supplements all of, all of those three players, and effectively in that last 10 15 minutes we just didn't have we didn't have possession in the final third it was it was about city really being on top and in the end i think we were sort of we were hanging on a bit really um albeit that on the looking back at the game as a whole you know we've we certainly got a, a very justified claim to a point but it felt like towards the end liverpool i wouldn't say liverpool had settled but for the point in the last five but it sort of felt that uh, they were they were relatively comfortable going away with the draw. I thought Liverpool actually went for it pretty hard in those final few minutes because and and it was it was always an almost moment. So a heavy touch from Mane, an overhead pass from Lucas, where just put it in the space softly in the space, and Mane's Mane's going to beat his man. He's going to get there first, and he's going to score. Um, there's the ridiculous miss from Lalana that n- none of us will ever and he won't be able to to explain it Klopp couldn't explain it afterwards Guardiola was asked about it as well in the little breakout period and you know he he said sometimes these things just happen sometimes because of the sheer you, you've put so much energy and effort into the game that your mind gets tired you even it's that move yeah yeah exactly um so there's all these things going on and a city could have won it as well with Aguero. But I do think that it previous games or previous Liverpool sides will look at that and think one, one. Yeah. Let's, let's leave the Etihad with a point. I think that Liverpool side, the last 10 or so minutes were thinking we're going to win. And Klopp was when Lucas over hits that pass that Mahane can read, Klopp is l- almost on his knees. On, he's he's haunched over and he's saying, how can you not get that ball right? You're under no pressure. You've got the time to play that pass. But he also, he was convinced Liverpool should have won. And, you know, I take it back to my earlier opinion. I, mm, I think either side could have won. I think the draw was a fair result. But it's so, so encouraging that Liverpool have this attitude like, no, that's not good enough for us. We want to win this game. It, it doesn't matter that it's, you know, a, a ground you shouldn't be taking many points from. Uh, and I think it's games like yesterday and, and how Liverpool have played against, you know, all their, their rivals this season that should inspire them and motivate them to get into the Champions League because, my goodness, will they be able to turn it on in their competition? Um Mm-hmm. What gets them through the the first half, Adam? Uh, when I mentioned before with the rain, Emre Chan, but also the fullbacks. It's quite clear City are trying to target the wide areas. Uh, Sane and um, and Sterling, uh, Sterling gets the ball a ridiculous uh, number of times in that first half. But both Liverpool fullbacks, and I think Klein was mentioned before as well. I think Klein has an excellent game uh, all in. Both of them. Uh, the key to Liverpool 
grabbing control of the game back from City in the first period, building on it in the second period, and even then seeing it out. You know, I think that both fullbacks and, as I said before, Emre Chan, those that little th- triumvirate there in front of the central defenders, all play very, very well indeed. Yeah, they did. I, I, I agree with what Mike said before. I thought I think it was it was Klein's best game in a while, and I think. I think Milner struggled a little bit after the sort of going into New Year and in, and in January. I think he looked a little bit tired, uh, but then you know so did a lot of the other players. It certainly wasn't just on him. But I thought he. I think it's easy to forget that he's a he's a player with a lot of miles in his legs, and he was going up yesterday against two different players at different times who are fast as lightning, and yet they still didn't get an awful lot of change out of him, and. I, like I saw somebody on Twitter saying, you know, he, he should have he should have closed down De Bruyne quicker for the the cross in, and do you know what? Maybe that's slightly fair, but he's basically done the equivalent of dodging F one cars for like ninety minutes and you know come out without being hit. I, I think he, he he put a hell of a shift in. The I know it's not necessarily what you're talking about from from a defensive point of view, but the the nerves of steel for the penalty as well, and it's not the you know he's obviously done one against uh, Spurs, done one against United, now done that one. You know that they're they're big penalties, and we've seen in the Champions League this week how important having somebody who can just put the put the penalty in the back of the net can actually be. Um, I don't know whether he's you know whether he's got much left in him as a left back option, but. For him to come out of that game without really giving them an awful lot, and the, the tackle on Sterling when he's basically got an open goal as well, and in, you know, in, in slowed down, we probably it should have been a penalty, but in fast, he did everything you want your defender to do. Out of nowhere, he got in in the way of Sterling and stopped him from getting the shot off, which was, you know, a real. I was like, oh, we've, we've conceded there. It's you know, that's it. But it, it's, it's a goal nowhere. from De, it's a goal from De Bruyne's pass. Mm. If you know what I mean, as soon as De Bruyne plays that pass, and what a pass it is, it's absolutely mm. inch perfect. If it's if it is like four inches either side, it gets intercepted. It's absolutely perfect. And I thought both well, have scored there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've 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 given over to it. But you're right. He then he he he, he does he does everything he can. Yeah, exactly. And and. You, you can't ask more than that, really. You know, I think against that, against that City attack, there were moments when they should have scored, but their own players missed Aguero, you know, more than a couple of times. And there were other moments when you think they, they should have scored, but actually the Liverpool defence has done exactly what it needs to do. And I thought Klein was very, very good in that in that regard as well, just not not giving them an inch. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, I think just given the amount of pressure that we occasionally came up against, it was a, it was a decent defensive performance right across the board. Um, I think Milner in the in the first first phase of the game, I mean, it, it, inevitably he's going to be exposed because Liverpool plays such a high line, and he's he's very much part of the attacking unit really when Liverpool are playing at their best. So when City began to get their passing going and they play those fantastic balls between the centre halves, those passing triangles, I mean, it's hard to play against. Um, and we've seen it before. We've seen it, but going back two, three, four seasons, their pattern of play, um, they're difficult to disrupt. And I think, I, I think, I would describe uh, Milner's performance as manful. I think he did about as much as he could defensively. He certainly put the miles in. Um, cool head from the spot. I mean, you, you, it's some penalty that you, it is, and and all of his been penalties this season. They've been unerring. None yeah. of them, none of none of them have been sort of partially smothered by the keeper and gone in just through the force of the shot. They've all been right in the corner. Um, and you know, it, it's 
you know, it's it's not something that you're going to consider in the overall patterns of your of your play. But having someone that reliable from the spot is, you know, it, it's an incredible benefit. And you, you I, I, as he was about to take it yesterday, the only reason I'm thinking he's got a miss is purely the law of averages. But then you then you look back on on the the shape of his penalties, and it is a lovely shape that one typically that he puts in the in the bottom left corner. Um, and yeah, it's um, it, it's an almost it's almost a certain goal, which. Um, don't want to put the uh, the kibosh on his next one. Could come in the derby, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, and as I say, defensively, I, I think Liverpool did as well as they could given the nature of the game and the way that it played out. I think also we you, you tend to look at it like they're exploiting Milner, but it's not really an individual thing. It's because the cut. So Coutinho, the where he's asked to play for him to get across and cover is a is a massive gap to make but he he needs to do what he needs to do because if City lose the ball and Liverpool get it then yeah. you're on your you know perfect opportunity to create Wijnaldum as well can't shot across too much because then you allow Silva to go and play into that space so it's quite City are a very clever side at you know like you say the triangles the passing lanes and they're they're sort of even Sterling, you know, asked to play very wide. But if you give him the opportunity, absolutely, to come inside, he yeah. can come inside and kill you. Which is, and you know, the change that they make as well is because while Sterling was rapid and stuff, he Milner he couldn't time his runs correctly offside all the time because Milner is intelligent, mm. and Sterling knows Milner's intelligent, and you've got to do you know a bit to beat him. And they put De Bruyne there, but. De, Though that is a trademark, De Bruyne to Aguero balls. Mm. You know, people who cover City have seen that often enough. It happens. It you can say, yeah, you, you try and close the cross on enough, but at that stage of the game where you know you you've already exerted yourself so much, you you know, it's these little millimeters that that Neil were talk, uh, Neil was talking. It was noticeable about. actually, wasn't it, in the first half that Liverpool I, I quite consistently caught City offside, and it felt like the line was 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 quite well organised. And you don't see many offsides in the modern game, um, but obviously the way that Liverpool were organised yesterday, they managed to do that quite successfully a few times. And I just think that was just generally. Uh, a comment on their, their overall organisation, but also the level to which City are trying to cheat, and that's yeah. the, and that's what turns the game into the game. It becomes Adam is that you've actually got two front threes. Mel mentions it there with Coutinho, where Coutinho the position Coutinho takes up often when the opposition are in are in possession and attacking Liverpool is as much to do with being available for when we win the ball back as yeah. it is about the idea of what we're gonna how we're gonna get it back now. If you know what I mean, so you've got you've got Coutinho trying to cheat a little bit, and you've got uh, Mane at times doing the same thing from a Liverpool point of view, and Firmino obviously leading the line, and then Man City have got that th- that front three who are all capable of cheating, and Silva to a certain extent, and this is one of the reasons why when he drag- when he hooks Torre, he has to hook him because the way in which these lads all operate is that you know Silva's not given. It's not the idea that he's going to absolutely rattle around the pitch. And that's why the, the, the football match ends up playing as it's playing, because there's loads and loads of 1v1s that just develop right in front of your very eyes. Yeah, I think... Talk of Liverpool's, quote-unquote, inability to break down deep-lying teams ignores the fact that these really top teams do have players that cheat. And when they have players that cheat, it means the space that our players can take up and run into. And there's a degree, not you know, not a massive one, we're talking small, ma- small amounts, but there's a degree to which 
you don't have to worry about them as much if you get the ball because you're already past them because they're cheating too much and you know they're I I disagree with with both Mel and Mike a little bit in I I thought Torre was I, I thought uh, Coutinho was quite poor actually um, and I, I totally understood why he got hooked I I, I agree he, he was maybe getting a bit more influence over the game but I just don't think he was. I, I just want. I, I haven't been impressed with him since he's come back, and I didn't think I was ready yesterday for him to sort of burst back into life, and I didn't think he really did. Um, he's having a bad time of it in the final third. That's, yeah, I think that's my thing on him is that he's, that's when he's having a bad time in the middle third. Whenever he picks the ball up, I'm excited, and he, when he begins to move, I'm, I'm thinking, "Come on, you're going to do something for us here." But when he's in the final third, that's where it, to me he's really struggling. I agree, and there was one where he got got it on his right foot, and it was the sort of goal that we've seen him score, you know, carbon copies of all season long, and it just it just was nowhere near. Like it wasn't even close. It is. I definitely think it's a it's a confidence thing. Hmm. It's uh, he was pre injury. He was, you know, on course the way he was performing to be in line for, you know, PFA Player yeah, of the yeah. Season award and stuff. He was, he was so so good. It was unreal when you were matching his numbers up to, you know, all the fellow attackers, Hazard, De Bruyne. He was he was nailing them in every department, and the injury. There was a setback as well in his recovery when he was trying to come back from the injury, um, which would have seen him play against. City on New Year's Eve, you know, that was the initial aim. Then he had the setback, so that was a little bit of a... Um, I, I don't know what he looks like when he's just all right. That's mm-hmm. my problem with him as a football... Like, in the final third, I don't know what his just all right game looks like. In that Mane, yesterday, broadly speaking, is just all right. Should probably score. Stretches them and threatens them and scares them. But he's just all right. He doesn't... You know, he, he's... I'm not saying he had a bad game. He just had an all right game. For me, you know, you've seen him have all right... You've seen him have bad games, but you've seen him have all right games when he's leading the line and he's doing his bits. I think my continual problem when I'm watching him at the minute is I just don't know what a six and a half looks like in the final third, especially. I think that's where it's either everything's going for him and he looks great or he's toiling. And that's what I think he... If it, It's quite a strange thing to say, but I think the thing he sort of needs to add to it... Like, if you imagine his game's a ladder, and I think this is one of the reasons why you're saying he's short of confidence, he can't just have an all right half an hour. Yeah, he... Da- he- you know, we judge him by very, very high standards. Undoubtedly, he judges himself by extremely high standards. Mm. So when in the first 10 minutes he's done two, three things that he shouldn't have done, that he knows that's that's not yeah. what I do, that affects him. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, I would rather have somebody who's got the full flow of the game, who's understanding, who's growing into it, than... I just thought when we made that change, it it like eva- so much of Liverpool's play got evaporated just because it is so I, I can't imagine how hard it is to be sitting on the bench and watching this and then have to come on and sort of match because it it was as mental as the game was. No, neither side was happy with that one one, and both sides tended to push and that makes reading or trying to control or trying to have any sort of balance quite quite difficult, which is why then I would have kept him on because he, he had the measure of, of what was, you know, yeah, going the, on around it's the, it's the rhythm. It's the rhythm of the game that's difficult to get into. And I think it's compounded by the fact that Origi's not in any kind of form either. Yeah. Um, so he, he had difficulty getting hold of the ball. He had difficulty shielding the ball, just giving Liverpool any kind of outlet that might have been Klopp's uh, intention really in bringing him on, just to maybe play a few more balls into yeah, the channels yeah. and just chase it down and hold up play. But he doesn't really 
seem that effective at doing it, some of the basics at the moment. So the fact that it's difficult for anyone coming into the game uh, and picking up on the rhythm of the game, plus the fact that he's not in any sort of form. And, really and was... remember, he's actually missed sessions because he was feeling sick as well, so not as sharp maybe, maybe, as... Yeah, well. exactly. And I it? think that's it. I think my thing isn't... I can totally understand why the decision was made to take Coutinho off because I didn't think he was... I didn't think he was playing very well. But the problem is that the weakness of the squad in that in that sort of department means that there wasn't a good enough player to bring him on for. So I would have understood if Cop had left him on for another 10, 15 minutes because, mm. you know, that was the, 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 the sort of nature of the situation. But it is a gamble. It, that's what it is. And if he doesn't make a sub and it finishes 1-1, one, one, we're all sitting around going, well, he could have made a sub. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, this is, yeah, and, if you're football, yeah. and if anything, I mean, where, if you want to sort of take issue with Klopp's um, sort of opinion on subs all season, he's been reluctant to make substitutions until quite late in the game. That was one of his more uh, his earlier interventions, but it is consistent with what's happened in previous games with Coutinho. So you, uh, Robert was... Uh, chatting to me before and just wonder about whether the, whether there's you know sort of medical staff um, intervention here and saying you know he's he's only got 65 70 minutes in him and whether it's preordained that he comes off we don't know that if that's the case um, though I don't want him going to Brazil no well definitely not you know I mean, Liverpool got to for me that's your marker Liverpool if you go, have to intervene there well, if, he goes sure. to, if he goes to Brazil then for me that's the marker he's fit and yeah. I'm not having a conversation yeah. around is he or is he 100% fit yeah. if he goes away with Brazil if he doesn't go away with Brazil or if he goes and they have a look and they send him back yeah. it's a different conversation no that's that's fair enough I'm just trying to come up with a reason as to why why the change yeah. is made I saw um, someone someone that I follow on Twitter mentioned as well that it it feels a little bit sometimes like the like the substitutions are planned in training rather than reacting to the game. That that's mm. something that I've, you know that, that that I think it, you know I've never thought before. When somebody said it, I thought actually it, that does make a, a degree of sense with some of the things that Klopp's done when you're watching it and thinking why has he done that or that doesn't make any sense and it does get you know that kind of makes sense as a as a thing and that felt a little bit like one well, whether because of medical staff continuous yeah. fitness or because he you know whatever I can, see, I, don't the, know. I can see the logic in that if it is a medical issue I, I can't see the logic in, in that being the case we don't know whether it is yeah, of course yeah. um, because as a manager you know your substitutions it's about reading the ebb and flow of a game and, and sensing when the other team's getting on top and I think Liverpool's biggest issue is we probably all references that it is the strength of the bench and you look at that bench over the last two or three games and it's looked incredibly light and you know, there's people like Ben Woodburn on on the bench, and I sort of, whilst it's good for him to be getting experience to travelling with the squad, and, and you know, and getting stripped and everything like that, unless we're really sort of fully confident in his ability to come on and impact the game, um, I think it's it's a different thing coming on at home to, to Burnley and as no, opposed yeah. to coming on yeah. at the Etihad in that in that but environment. The, but is that it? I suppose what I'm saying is, what's the point of him being there if, if we don't feel that he's got the ability to come on and, ch- and change the game for the better? There's also a bit of a pecking order issue, I think, there as well, which is that even if it's, I'm sure, I'm sure if Klopp was here, he'd say absolutely not. If I feel it's the right thing, it's the right thing. But he's also got to manage the spirits of this squad, and I think it's quite difficult to bring Woodburn on before you bring Origi on. I think in general, I, I see the logic in that, but I'm, you know, I know, I know what you're going to The manager's job is to win the game. I know, I know, and, and meritocracy. But it's it's, it's jobs fine, also. But... It's jobs also to win the next ten. It's jobs also to develop these footballers with an eye on next season. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's jobs. It's jobs to get the best Divock Origi imaginable. Yeah. And if the best Divock Origi imaginable be, be, gets a face on because he can't believe this is happening and it completely knocks his confidence. Because if we're talking about confidence, for, for me, you know, and that's the interesting thing about the substitution in general is you're taking off a player you might say short of confidence, but maybe is growing into the game to bring on a lad who. And I completely take Mel's point about getting up to the pace of the game for one, but two, looks 
unbelievably short of confidence. And as for six months, I mean, this is not, you know, Divock Origi looking like he's not entirely confident is nothing new. It is absolutely nothing new. And that's the one which for me, I think is, 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 is the big, is the big kick, uh, big kick in the teeth. Um, all right, next one to sort of move forward as I work through my list is is the way in which they did come back strongly, uh, City. Guardiola was full of praise for his players afterwards, Mel. Yeah. And that, that in that period of the game that I think both you and Mike are referring to, that last 15 minutes when Liverpool are finding themselves just a little on the back foot. Firstly, the, the, again, to praise the performance of Emre Chan. I think Emre Chan has a really good last 15 minutes in that game. And there's bits of the game. I think every... Trying the right way to phrase it, something that um, that Steve Graves said to me when I was watching it with him, and one of the things he said was, he said of this of Ronaldo, but I actually think it of Emre Chan as well. When Liverpool were good, they were all right, but when Liverpool were bad, both were actually very good indeed. When when City were more on top in the game, I think both Chan and Ronaldo are the players who pulled them out of it. Chan, especially in the early part of the game, and then as the game sort of draws to a conclusion, that both Chan and Ronaldo are, are very important to what Liverpool are doing. Yeah, I think the the ability to sense from both of them that they are in this sort of, that's what I was I was getting at before when I said Liverpool perhaps had the better balance um from about I would say just before half time maybe there's like a 20 minute period where they they were the more sensible I would say off the sides and that was down to to those two players who who sense danger pretty well um I also think that with City, Liverpool knew that... I wasn't surprised by the the opening 15 minutes because I think everyone knew City had to come out and show a massive reaction, you know, from their Champions League exit. And the, the players and Guardiola have been getting pelted a lot this season, you know, for their... Um, philosophy, strategy, the, the way they want to play football. And I think they had to come out and make quite a solid statement. And then when Liverpool did wrestle the game back, sort of, again, you felt, and, and when Torre went off and there's a change with Sterling and De Bruyne, again, you you expect, you expect City to um, go for it a bit more. And I think those two were gigantic, in their efforts to to try and quell and and keep Liverpool in it, I also thought the, it was set up so well for Liverpool to do something on the counter, which is why I think Klopp was so frustrated at those moments at, at Mane's heavy touch at at Lucas's overhead ball because City were also looking to go for it and allowing Liverpool the opportunity to go and, and sneak the win. But yeah, it's I I really thought that yesterday for Liverpool, it's interesting to me that in such an, you know, attacking sort of game that the, that the players that I would look at and think that, you know, stood out were Klein, Martip, Wijnaldum and Emery, who I thought were just fantastic. And Lallana as well, that ridiculous miss aside, but my God, was he everywhere yeah. doing everything and... Yeah. There wasn't quite as much of the sort of traditional pressing as a, as a unit. I think that we've we, we've seen sort of in most games, in most big games this season. But Lalana just as as a one man press, I thought was particularly yeah. evident yesterday. And you know, you almost take it for granted now the work rate that he puts in, and it's incredible because he because he's got so much poise and guile on the ball. 
Um, I think we, we we tend to sort of underestimate the, yeah, the work. Yeah, it doesn't Ashu, look because it, it's, it's effort. It he makes it look effortless. He does, yeah. and and but his his pressing is really effective. It's always well timed. It's very rarely wasted. Um, and even in that slightly different environment yesterday, so the, the amount of pressure that he puts on the ball, um, you know, basically uh, removing time for City players to think, and, and and I think that was part of that that phase where they were losing the ball quite regularly. It was, it was often Lallana that was putting them under pressure. I thought Chan's performance was really interesting in that number six role where he's deputising for Henderson because whilst. He's occupying roughly the same starting position. It's a it's a completely different interpretation yeah. of the number six role, I think. You know what? Um, because he he doesn't. He, I don't think he's capable of offering the same level of protection to the defence, and I think that's part and parcel of why we may see the game that we actually do yesterday. But nonetheless, it's still a good defensive performance. But it's in a different sense because he's often winning winning the ball, like we've described mm-hmm. earlier, and then re- releasing pressure by surging through the midfield yeah. and actually taking players on. Now you wouldn't see Henderson do that. Um, and occasionally as well I think his range of passing as well as, as he grew into the game he began to see more of that and I, I think it, it was an interesting thing yesterday just to see exactly or to think more about his future as a Liverpool player and obviously there's the contract situation which after yesterday becomes I think a bit more acute but he certainly showed a level of performance yesterday that is, is the eternal frustration with him because you see it one in four you see it one in five with him he, he just needs to, to bring that level more consistently into the team. I'm going to go Adam first and Mel on this because I do think it is one of the more interesting things at the minute in general at the club is Embray and, and, and all of that. I thought he was excellent, genuinely excellent yesterday and I, I agree with Mike in terms of the way in which he does things a little bit differently. But trying to articulate this the right way, there is so much to admire in his game when it's absolutely flying and I don't like, I've, I've hated this for years, people used to say about Emil Heskey, if you give him time to think, and because I, I just think it's it's a ludicrous thing to say because you know it's so rarely actually true. I've I've seen, using Heskey as an example. I saw Heskey score one on ones where he was one on one from the halfway line against the keeper at Goodison Park. Trust me, he's got time to think, and he puts it in the back of the net. So, you know, I've, I've seen him also miss one on ones where he's had the whole of the half. That's not because he's got time to think. It's because he's it's 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 because he's not playing as well and because the keeper does something a bit differently. But with Chan, it does seem that the more surgical Liverpool need him to be the more he actually struggles to be as surgical as he can be when it's all a bit of a mishmash, a hundred mile an hour game and it's all moving around him. It does appear to be that he's, his instincts and his, you know, his reactive football to what the opposition are doing when he's got to worry about it. He looks much better in that role or in the Liverpool midfield than when there's much more onus on him or on the Liverpool midfield to make something happen. And it's quite a strange thing. You would think that as a footballer, you'd see more of the quality in the opposite scenario when there is actually just even a bit more time. And yet you really don't. You very much see the quality when, for instance, he's suddenly sliding from nowhere and he's going to find a way to actually play a dink ball into someone's chest. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, hang on, that's really unlikely. Mm. I thought some of the times he was at his best yesterday was when City were attacking between him and Wijnaldum, they they recovered the ball. And then he surged forward, holding off two or three of their players at the same time and breaking into the space. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think he was, he was between him and Wijnaldum, I'd split my man of the match between the two of them yesterday. Um, I think he was aided by the fact that Torre's legs went, you know, obviously, because he just had the whole of the park to run into and no one was chasing him. Um, but, you know, he, he, he absolutely physically loves the physical battle and if you think of that 
and how good he was fighting people off and breaking into the space and then compare it to the opening 45 against Burnley where there's no one near him for the majority of the time. And you're absolutely right. When in that sort of situation... He can't burst past people because there's no much, no one trying to tackle him. He can't, he's, he's just there and he's looking and he, he's got a pass to the left and a pass to the right, but there's no, he doesn't have the... I don't think he has the Henderson passing ability to find the acute ball right the way, you know, right the way through a low-lying defence type thing. So I think that that's why he looks slightly more... Like limited isn't a fair word, but why I don't like to see him as much when he in the I've got no problem when I saw him on the team sheet yesterday, no problem whatsoever with it. I'm thinking brilliant when I saw him on the team sheet against Burnley. I know he scores the goal, obviously, but I I did think uh, it's going to be a bit ponderous here. He needs Mel. I, I feel like he's a player who needs the football match to be happening around him all the time, and that's quite a difficult thing. If you you know if, if that. You'd think, well, the best place to therefore be is in the middle of the park. But if you you are actually that that distance deeper than Vinaldum and Lalana when you play the one and the two and you play it that way against a side that does sit deep. As I'm saying, the football match doesn't happen around you as much as you want. Whereas you get the impression with Emery, and as I say, when he has a, when he has his, for instance, his great game at home against Villarreal, when he he has a great 15 minutes yesterday, it's because for 15 minutes the football match revolves around where Emery Chan. And suddenly, he's in his absolute element. He's the best player on the pitch. As soon as that stops being the case, he just seems to find it so much. He can't go and find the football match. It almost needs to find him. Yeah. And then he comes alive. Yeah, he... It is very interesting. I, I like what Mike said, that you, you can't... It's the same position for the same team, the number six role. But he's finally managed to interpret it in the way that suits his strengths in these kind of games. Because when he tried to be Jordan Henderson against Sunderland, for example, he can't be Jordan Henderson. So he has to find a way to be the six for the team, but using his strengths. And I think that's what he what he did yesterday. Now, he can't, he doesn't arrange or... Um, the protection against the counters as well. He, he doesn't sense the danger as much. He doesn't scan as much. So he doesn't... He, he doesn't... Um, he's not able to switch the play or direct attacks in that position as well as Henderson. But what he is very, very good at doing is winning his duels, winning the ball in the air. He, he likes the physique. He likes to... Yeah, you know, I'm going to get stuck in now and I'm going to pick the ball up and I'm going to dribble through that. He is a ball carrier. He likes that. He enjoys that. And those are all the elements of his game that we saw. And I think it is vital to have a player like him because his attributes are completely different to Wijnaldum, to Lilana, and to Henderson, who, in my opinion, are, are the three. When everyone's fully fit, that's your three best in midfield. But to have somebody like him is is very very important because he he does offer a different skill set and a different interpretation and often like in a game like yesterday you need that um part part of the way liverpool play as well even in that opening spell to let city were were sort of assertive that that doesn't happen with henderson because it, when liverpool have the ball and he has the ball you know he directs everything he's like the orchestrator of of practically everything that they do both with and without the ball Shan's different in that he he can't um, direct or or be that assertive influence. So he takes control of the game, like Neil said, when it's you know manic when, when and it's, it's happening. Ar- yeah, when it's manic and yeah. it's happening around him, and and his physicality mm. counts for things, not 
sort of his his intelligence in in you know um, how he's going to to expand the play or or do any of those things. So I think it's so good that he's he's managed to to understand that he has to you know play that position his way, uh, and hopefully he can continue to do that in a more or like Neil says in games where it's not like yesterday or it's not like um, against Arsenal as well. He, you know, he went so deep because he knew that the, he had to battle with Giroud for the aerial balls. And he liked that. And it suited him. And he, and he looked good uh, against Chelsea as well. So he needs to make it happen as well in, in the other games where the team's relying on him in that position to make things work. And Emery Shan has the ability to play absolutely beautiful passes he does have that in him as well so it ju- it just i don't know he can do it yeah he's i mean i, I you know agree pretty much with everything mel said there it it where he where he's really struggled i think for liverpool this season has been where there hasn't been any real tempo to the game and where we we you know we've got this this low block in front of us and i think we've criticized he's been criticized for not getting the ball out of his feet quickly enough needing that extra touch and it does seem that the game has to have a tempo around it for him to p- perform at his best he does like he's quite combative I think he feeds off off the sort of the combative yeah, side of the yeah. game I think that sort of winds him up and gets him into a mindset where he, he he's more perhaps more confident and more eager to, to, to get involved and I think sort of mentally maybe he just switches off from games from time to time and but he's got to find a way of of, 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 of sort of getting into that sort of combative mindset more readily um, how you address Maybe the the pace of the game thing is another th- is another issue. I mean, that's if there's going to be a horses for courses thing with Chan and and when when Klopp selects him, whether that's because Henderson isn't playing, it's about whether Liverpool are set up slightly differently. Whether Liverpool play a little bit more open, um, just to give the game that fluency and that tempo that he begin he appears to thrive in most. Um, but certainly, I mean, I'm glad you referenced the Arsenal game, Mel, because he played really well in that one as well. Yeah. I think the confusing one in between time was the Burnley first half where he was. He was just—he just had one of those games where nothing was going right, and yet, perhaps just through the force of personality, he ends up getting the winner. And that I think there's—I think there's something to be said about him uh, in in that as well. So, but I, I do think you know, in terms of potential, and in terms of a different option, you know, he's a key member of the squad. Um, but there was a period in in the mid phase of the season where I think he was pre- he was preferred to Wijnaldum on a couple of occasions. I think most people thought that actually Wijnaldum not playing disrupted Liverpool's rhythm yeah, a couple yeah. of times. But having yeah. seen from what what we saw from him yesterday, perhaps there was there was something that Klopp wanted from him that we just didn't quite see on those couple of occasions. I think Wijnaldum's better than him. you're talking about the pace. I think Wijnaldum's better than him at dictating the tempo and dictating the pace. And that's where I think is one of Chan's biggest weaknesses at the moment in his game is that he can't make the game go faster. He's not a tempo setter. No, and that's why it's got to take place around him because when it's taking place around him, he can get right into the the, the, the flow of it. When it's not taking place around him and he's sort of asked to set the tempo, he just doesn't have that in his locker just at the moment. and, And therefore... The game looks ponderous yeah. when he plays because he's the one being asked to set the tempo almost, and he can't. It, well, I, I mean that's what you're saying. I, I quite like the idea that he's a footballer who can play quick football, but he can't quicken, mm. and that's a really strange thing. It feels quite odd because that, that, and that's what I think's been people have found quite difficult watching him at times this season. Is you're thinking, well, hang on, you're saying he can't, you know, what? Why can't he make this tempo go faster? Because I've seen him play a hundred mile an hour football, mm. and it, it is because there's just something that means he can't dictate, he can't speed it up. But if it speeds up, he's absolutely fine. He's not. It's not like he's struggling to cope. It wasn't like yes. 
yesterday, you were watching them in any period of the game going, it looks like Emery's struggling to cope here, other than City's, City's abundance of quality in the area, if you know what I mean. It wasn't a, oh, now he looks like he's having a bad five. What, no matter what City did, he's able to go match that pace. You know, Whereas if you look at someone like Yaya Torre, you may actually be better at dictating the tempo. His legs absolutely fell off yeah. in a manner which you just very rarely see a football. I mean, you know, it, the, the picture that cuts to him on the TV footage is absolutely hysterical. He really just looks like he needs to go and have a big lie down. <laughs> like this has just got ridiculous. Um, all right. That's that pretty much covered. Uh, Going to have a little look at Liverpool's league position and what this says about the rest of the season uh, in a minute or two. Before then, I want to mention our Xabi Alonso interview. Fantastic stuff done by Andy and John. Uh, it's on tour player, uh, theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe if you don't already do so. Uh, it's 50 minutes long. Uh, there was a couple of little issues around the sound, so if you listened to it the first time, you didn't like it. It's actually had three updates now from Andy and the sound. Sounds absolutely fantastic on it. Uh, theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe. So it's 50 minutes of Xabi Alonso. Last week as well, I had a long chat with Jamie Carragher about Alonso, but also about other things we got off the point a couple of times huge thank you to him for that it's actually a free podcast if you want to listen to that uh, which again is uh, mentions mentions Alonso a lot but in general uh, at the minute at the Anfield app we're having a big push on getting the very best sort of uh, interviews um, doing the best shows that we can really I mean we're always trying to do that but we've just really tried to up it in the last month and if you ask around I think people would say that if you haven't said that I would quite like to there's lots of different ways in which you can rate us uh, you can do it on iTunes you can do it on Facebook uh, there's also a subscriber group where we chat to people I'm trying to get Gutman on there uh, on Facebook uh, and things like that at the moment uh, take the questions for AFQ football on there as well from there so loads and loads of really good stuff if you haven't subscribed already I genuinely do believe you should do so. Uh, you might say, well, I'm very biased in that. But, you know, I get to listen to almost everything. Um, so, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't listen to every show that Rob does. Uh, but I do get to listen to almost everything. And uh, from there, it's, I think it's absolutely fantastic at the moment. So theanfieldrap.com forward slash subscribe. And I will be nicer to Rob for the rest of the show as he isn't here to defend himself. Um, <laughs> situation this leaves us in, Mike Gutman. Uh, Mike Gutman goes to my head. Mike <laughs> Nevin. Mike Nevin. Uh, just, just merged uh, two, two fellas who are either approaching 50 or actually 50. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Rob, Rob Nevin. Uh, Rob Nevin. Uh, the situation this leaves us in is very much controlling our own destiny. I think it's a big point from the point from the idea of still finishing ahead of Manchester City, but also from just saying, "Well, we're not going anywhere," you know. And I think that's the that's the marker that rings out. Arsenal have a bad result at West Brom. Everton sort of half forced themselves into the picture, but you'd be amazed if they can if they mm. can build on it. Really, Mike. Uh, United get a scrappy three one win at Borough, but. We very much control our own destiny, and that's quite an exciting thing at this stage. And it just shows exactly how much the team, the club, the team, everyone's got to play for now, the other side of this international break. I mean, it feels to me, I sort of think, and you can overstate this stuff and you've got to be careful too, but I sort of think the next two months might actually define the next two years. Mm. I think if we can get Champions League football with all the momentum, with all the all the all of that, what that may then offer us this time out, you know, not quite not quite a year ahead of schedule, but in a in a hugely competitive season, I think we'll be in really, really good shape going forward. Yeah, and you know, on on let's on balance, it's been Liverpool have been generally impressive this season you know we, we've lost five games we know which games those have been and there's loads of narrative around them but it, it's hard to have a sense of the season so far without thinking that generally speaking they've done really really well um, and that is coloured by the performances against the, the you know the top six if you like and um, yeah there's the narrative around our inability to beat the lesser sides but give me that run in every, any day of the week because um, I think beating, beating lesser sides is something relatively easy to fix if you're playing with confidence, if you're playing with the same, with the just with the level that Liverpool have generally hit this season, and for me, I've sort of condensed it down to a fight between Liverpool and United. To be perfectly honest, for for that fourth place, 
yeah, there's scope for us to finish second or third, but I think being realistic, I think it does come down to Liverpool and Man United because I, I don't expect United to drop loads of points between now and the end of the season. And I only I, think it takes one bad result for United, though, for Mourinho to go possibly, all in on the Europa League. Possibly, but they have lost for ages. <laughs> no, but I mean, but it only takes, say, two more draws, is, yeah. you know, is, is as good as a draw, is as good as a, a loss. Uh, and I think, it, yeah, I think at that point, Mourinho just looks at the Europa League, looks at the teams in front of him in the Premier League and thinks that's the, that's the way. A little bit, little bit like we did last season. I mean, I take your point and there is an alternative route into the Champions League for them, but I think that would be, I, I think that would be misguided of him because you can lose a Champions League final. Whoever they play, sorry, a Europa League final, whoever they play in the final, the semi-final, it's bound to be decent opposition. And I think that, I mean, it happened to Liverpool last season where we threw most of our eggs into the Europa basket and, and that ended up being a, a flawed, way of thinking in the end and we sort of almost passed up our ch- a chance to finish in the top four albeit that it was it was quite remote I do think it comes down to, to Liverpool and United um, Spurs look fairly relentless at home I think they've won something like 13 in a row at, at uh, White Hart no, no Kane's going to hurt um, them away Possibly, um, but I, I do I do feel that, um, that, 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 that the nature of the league and the fact that I think I think United actually can go ahead of us if they win their games in hand. They can, yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say that puts us puts, puts us at a but disadvantage. One of, them, one of them is against Manchester City, yeah, which so, throws that back open. And well, not to say that agreed. if they beat City, then City yeah. are back down, and that's no. That's you know, there, there are various permutations that Liverpool can get into the top four. But your general point about you know where this leaves us and and, and using this season as a platform, yeah, it's been incredibly frustrating that we were looking at hopefully winning a league title all the way through, and I think. Mentally, I mean, certainly as a supporter, I found it difficult to motivate myself for a, for a few games because it was so disappointing to be out of that picture so quickly um, and things change. But that, when you recalibrate your ideas and your ambitions for the season, and I think that has now begun to become evident in the players as well. And just the, the reactions at certain times in yesterday's game, they, they seem quite focused on the idea that, you know, the Champions League is where they want to be. As professionals, that should be the case. And really, for me, it's quite it's quite simple. You just go out and win, you know, seven of those last nine games, and I think that'll probably be enough. Yeah, I think Mike, you make a great point there about you know, we've discussed it on the yeah. show before about the mental blow off of getting so far behind Chelsea, and you're no longer in a in a title race, and then you've got to pick yourself back up. But there is a feeling now for all of them. And I think these these games, these games against their, you know, elite competition in the Premier League will show them that if we get in there, if we secure Champions League football, we know with further investment into the squad and stuff, we, we've got the ability and we've shown it time and time again. They showed it in the Euro- Europa League last season as well, that when we play the best, it brings out the best in us and, Liverpool can be absolute magic in there. Um, and speaking to Wijnaldum the other day, he, he was saying that Liverpool just, they did it in the first half of the season, you know, beat the the lesser teams or, or teams not in the top six. And they just have to do that again. And I think the, the, the last three games helps in, in the essence to swat away the, the Blues that, you know, we're at the beginning of the year, the real struggles they've had, they've come through that patch now. And even with the with the latest injury hassles with, you know, Henderson, Lovren, um, with all these little, even preparation for, for this City game, they had to do without Firmino in, in full team training and then Origi for the last bit of it as well. Sturridge again uh, being unavailable. And they've come through it relatively well and... 
I just think if, if Liverpool are, are honest with themselves, and again, Mike, you said it, when you look at the season in its entirety, Liverpool, given the fact that they've not had, you know, the squad off, uh, off City and, and United, for example, have done really, really well. And I think it would be so gutting for them not to achieve Champions League football because they deserve it. Mm. I think there's a big extent to which it is it is very much in our hands now you're right Mike that United can can overtake us with the, if they win their games and I think Arsenal draw level with us if they win theirs um, but Neil's also right that one of the games is, you know, is against City and in fact all of the sort of top teams have to play each other apart from us it, if the players if the players don't make if the team doesn't make the top four now with the running that we've got then serious questions need to be asked, really. Again, I know you know, know we always sort of you know, that there'll, there'll be the same asked, questions but, because well, of the nature exactly, of the opposition. Exactly, yeah, that's exactly it. But the, but that's that is also what I was about to say, which is that if we were sat here now and we were saying, you know, God, we could have had fifteen more points than than we have right now and be challenging for the title if we'd beaten Chelsea, City, United, Arsenal. It's a hell of a lot more difficult to figure out how you do that apart from just massive investment. But to know that we could be challenging for the title if we've been able to beat Swansea, Bournemouth, West Ham, that sort of thing, that's a lot easier to get. You know, to kind of, you would think a lot easier for the for the management for Jurgen Klopp and his team to say, right, we need to figure out the players that we need. It often referenced Benitez bringing in the likes of Peter Crouch to deal with those sorts of teams. That that is really. We're in a really fortunate position there, and likewise that we we you know we haven't got a run in where we're going. Oh God, we've got to beat City and Arsenal and Chelsea if we have any hope of getting top four. We're in a much better position than that, um, and you have to fancy that the. I mean, I, I'm the same as you. I was I was quite despondent after I, I sort of had to have a bit of time off after the f- football generally when we sort of got you know beat went through that phase of getting knocked out both the cups and losing to Swansea. The players will have probably been in the same sort of boat. But now, exactly like Mel says, it feels a little bit like they've got the bit between the teeth now and the same, right? We Top four's in our hands and that's a great place to be in, I think. Are we going to do it? I think so, yeah. Mike Nevin? I, I think we'll finish in the top four, yeah. I, I'm, again, I'm, I wouldn't rule out, you know, sort of second or third, but I think, yeah, I mean, we again, just based on the run-in that we've got and those other fixtures in and around us, I think that Liverpool... Um, I haven't consulted the odds, which I normally do, actually, <laughs> but um, I, I think Liverpool have got to be favourites to finish in the top four. I hate talking about the top four, but, you know, it really, it's it's about the Champions League, isn't it? And it's, about, it's all about the progression, the project, the money that we can potentially well, demand of the owners. And, you know, the, there's, but the, also there's t- that issue sort of milling around the background. But um, I, I sort of struggle to see... How it how we push on if we don't get it? I mean, it, that sounds like a sensationalist thing to, to say, but I think given the nature of this season, it would be thoroughly depressing not to not to have that progress, not to move the you know Klopp's tenure onto the next level. And I think you know ultimately the squad is very very light. We need that investment, and if Champions League football Champions League football is the way to to secure that investment, then it's an absolute necessity. You gonna do it? Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much, Adam Smith, Mike Nevin, and Melissa Reddy. That has been the Anfield Wrap. Absolutely. Sports Social Podcast Network.